Hey guys, oh wait, that didn't go through. So I think it's live. I think we're live. Yes, we are live. <laughs> hey, Joel. So let me tell you guys, I'm sort of jumping in here. But anyway, uh, again, this is uh, Andrew. Uh, welcome to Masters in Commerce and Entrepreneur. Today I got Joel Klecky, uh, the infamous and famous Joel. Uh, man is an amazing, an amazing copywriter. He uh, has got uh, a He's got runs basically masters of conversion and copywriting. Uh, he is from a, featured in Unbounced uh, call a call to action conference. Uh, better yet, the guy basically is co is a consultant for some of the top uh, SaaS and B two B platforms. Not to mention HubSpot, a multi billion dollar company, helping them with their um, with their copy on that side. He's the founder of the case study uh, buddy, which is really awesome, by the way. I thought, you know, it's a really great concept there because so many people have problems with case studies. Um, in the past, he was an SEO consultant, no longer does that. But, um, and then he's been seen, like I said, on the Unbounce conferences, uh, MozCon, and also Conversion XL. Uh, the guy loves hockey, loves beer, and he's one of those lovable Canadians, right? <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be talking about um, uh, we're going to be talking about how to write copy that converts, uh, which is uh, I think near and dear to most people's uh, heart. If you're doing if you're doing stuff with uh, either it's SaaS based or you're doing e-commerce and you're doing chatbots and everything, you just need to know how to do copy. And so Joel, uh, really awesome. Thank you for showing up. Uh, if I had missed anything in the audience and we can go take it from there <laughs> no that was that was pretty extensive like you said um really focused on b2b and software i've had the privilege to work with some really cool companies and some really cool projects um spun off case study buddy about two years ago and it's its own kind of productized service and its own thing but i continue to do my consulting stuff as well and you even know the hockey bit which i'm really excited because the season's starting in just a couple of weeks so uh, typical Canadian, but yeah, really yeah. pumped about that for sure. No, I know. When I used to go up there uh, to Vancouver, I mean, it was like <laughs> anywhere you turn, there was hockey. So it was, yeah. uh, it's awesome, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's it is the culture up there. It's like baseball. That's how I equate yeah. it to. But that was, that's really awesome. So hey, so let, let's get into uh, talking about copy that converts right like what makes you know let's break it down into i mean even nlp kind of stuff i guess you could be talking i mean you did a really amazing um article that i had just uh, found uh, was reading about the seven great sales marketing insights uh you know uh, you can get from uh, one customer interview um but let's break it down into like what is copy how do you write good stuff how, how do you even come up with it? If you're not a good copywriter, can can you, can anybody actually write good copy? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack. So I think the first thing, <laughs> you know, let's quickly define for people when we're talking about what is copy, we're talking about the content you put out there. We're not talking about, let's say, blog posts and eBooks and those types of assets. But what we're gonna talk about today is mostly things like websites, landing pages, situations where that copy needs to get somebody to do something, whether that's, sign up for a demo, whether that's purchase a thing, uh, whether that is download an asset, whatever it may be, we're talking about copy that's intended to drive an immediate action. We're trying to get somebody to do something. So 
I think one of the biggest misconceptions, one of the things that people outside of copy kind of think to themselves is that it's this sort of like voodoo black magic and there's tricks and, you know, like anytime the word persuasion comes in, you know, people start thinking, oh, it's mind control and, and those types of things. But the, the heart of it is really high converting copy and writing high converting copy is as much a product of your ability to talk to customers and break down data and information mm as it is to take that information and then weave it into something worth reading. You can't be a great conversion copywriter if you're not a great researcher. You can't be a great researcher uh, if you don't know what to look for. And so a lot of my work over the past few years has been helping people understand, well, what do we go look for and how do we start kind of building the, getting the blocks we need to, to build this uh, great piece of copy. Right. So the, on the research side of things, like, so what does that require to research to be able to write that good copy? Yeah. And I mean, research isn't a sexy word. Nobody goes, man, I love research. So whenever I start talking <laughs> about it, like, I see I people do. kind of retreat into their shell. But what I'm talking about, it's, it's really just a matter of, you know, to put it a, a sexier way, getting into your customer's head. So you can't write high converting copy in a vacuum. You have to understand your customer. So there's four things I tell people when you're going to write high converting copy, there's four things you need to learn about your customer. You need to deeply understand their pain points. So the things, the problems, the challenges they have and the underpinning kind of uh, fears about those, their anxieties. So the things that might keep them from taking action, sort of the, the fears that make up their situation right now and what external pressures are on them. So we've got pain points, we've got anxieties. You often know their uh, desired outcomes. So what is the big goal? What is the big dream? What is it they want to accomplish? And that helps you frame up, well, what are the pains and anxieties in getting there? And then the last one that a lot of people miss is their priorities. So not all priorities created equal. I might want to solve a problem, uh, but certain features or certain aspects or certain decision criteria are going to be more important for me than others. The last thing, so those are the four things about your, your customer you, you definitely need to understand. The last thing is their awareness level though. So beyond those traits about them, you need to understand those traits, but you also need to understand where they are along the spectrum when it comes to that purchase. So when you go into research, you have to talk to customers because you want to learn all that stuff in their own words. So you can take those words, mirror it back to them, and that's how you get them going, oh, these people understand me. They're saying the things that resonate with what I want, what I need. The worst way to try to do converting copy is to huddle around a boardroom table and say, okay, we've got this, let's be really creative. Yes, converting copy, writing copy is a creative pursuit, but it is an analytically driven creative pursuit. You can't just huddle around, be creative, not talk to anyone. Right, right. So if you're so if you're doing this, would you say that that's like for like a SaaS based company, or if you had like a website that was selling camping gear and lots of different things, can you write creative copy and sales copy for individual products? I mean, like to get around that pain point of what people are are looking for. Totally, because it all comes down to the customer. So think about it this way: no matter what you sell, whether it's tents whether it's a downloadable PDF on how to get a date, whether it's a subscription to a magazine, doesn't matter. You're always trying to influence somebody to make a decision, not trick them, not pull the wool over their eyes, but you're trying to pull the levers inside of their brain that make them go, this is safe, this is what I want, this is for me, this is gonna deliver the outcome that I came for. And so right. it really does come down to whether it's someone looking at a tent, well, what is it they want that tent for? What are their criteria? 
and that'll change based on who that person is, what they intend to use it for, what's the big outcome, are they going to use it for their family, are they going to use it to scale Everest, you need a good understanding of that person and that audience and that use case. So it really is something that can apply to anything from you know the traditional stuff we think of in direct response like pills and supplements and that type of thing to stuff on the polar opposite end of the spectrum, consumer goods and really you know manufacturing even, choosing which vendor to go with for example. So there's no place that copy can't be made more effective or can't be used to help influence a decision. Right. And do you think you need to be a copywriter per se, or could an average layman person kind of write it is once you have that base foundation of knowing your customer and their pain points that they're going through, could anybody write? I think it's like anything in that you, anyone can do it. It's the door is open to all comers, but it's not going to be the type of thing, a, a common you know hole that I see even experienced copywriters fall into is they try to make it all about formulas. So formulas mm. are addictive because they sound like roadmaps. And so I use formulas, every good writer uses formulas, but if formulas are all you see and you start trying to treat copy like a fill in the blanks and just right. this here, a little that there, that's where things start to fall on their face. So it is a practice. It is something that you're going to have to devote some serious time to learning and a lifetime to mastering if you want to master it. But I do firmly believe that business owners, the average marketer, if they want to get better at it, it's absolutely within reach. You just have to be open to the fact that this is a process. This is a science. It's not just like you've seen on Mad Men drinking whiskey and waiting for inspiration. You're right. going to have to sharpen some skill sets. And you're going to have to put stuff out there and see how it does. And I think that's the last thing I'll say on this is that's the thing I think keeps a lot of people who are good from becoming great is they never publish it. They never put it out there. They're unwilling to look at the data of how it performs. So they either assume they're great and they're not great or they assume they're awful and they don't see how, okay, if I had changed this or if I studied that, this is how it could get better. So. It's open to everyone, but it is a practice. It's not easy. I don't want to you know, undersell the difficulty of this, but it's also not rocket science. It's communication, and you can right. learn to communicate better no matter who you are. Right. So if you are starting out, right, so you're a brand-new SaaS company or a product company and you want to launch this stuff, and you don't have customers, right, to pull data from to kind of find out who they are and the pain points, how do you go about that? Like, how do you go and research people that yeah that you could talk to yeah it's a brilliant question so the thing that i liken it to is it's like a snowball you start with what you have you push 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 and over time you learn more and more but you should throw up your hands and say well we don't know anything so we can't read anything that's not true because people even whether your product exists or not people are always looking to solve problems yours is just maybe a different or new way of doing it and so you want to look at, well, who else is in the space? And keeping in mind that your competitor might not be another SaaS product, might not be another e-commerce store. So for example, uh, let's look at a company like Headspace that offers uh, online meditation. Prior to them, what did people do? They went to yoga studios, they bought self-help books, they bought you know videos and different things like that to help them. So when those guys launched, it wasn't a matter of looking around saying, okay, we have no customers. They went back to the source and they went, what is the original problem? And so there's little hacks, little tricks you can do to kind of point you in the right direction. If you have established competitors who are similar to you, go read their reviews and read how people talk about them and talk about what they like and especially talk about what they don't like. 
because if you understand what people don't like about your competitors, you can position yourself against it. Another hack that I learned from Joanna Weave, who learned it from someone before her, is go to Amazon and look at right. the other complementary products someone might use to solve the problem. And again, go look at the reviews and sort them by most helpful. So see again, when people talk about a product that was useful to them, how do they talk about it? How do they talk about their result? The other thing is just getting out there and having, you don't need a huge number of customers. When I say survey customers or interview customers, people often think, okay, hey, we need 2000 customers. We need this huge client base to do this. You can right. learn a lot in just one to three meaningful conversations. Okay. Have a meaningful interview with someone and ask them about not their opinion, but their experience. So when they have this problem, what did they do to solve it? What didn't they like about that? How could that be better? And that'll start pointing you in the right direction when you establish a baseline, now you've got that little snowball. And as you learn and get more customers, you can push, push, push and gain momentum and get better and better. It's an evolving, constantly evolving thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, those are good things. So what, what's your take on NLP? Do you think that, you know, uh, does that help in writing, understanding? Do you hypnotize your, you know, your, your members? I mean, in a sales thing and writing copy? I mean, what's your take on that stuff? That's just big hype. You know, to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I came into, so I'll back, I'll back up two steps and come right back to this. When I came into the industry, I resisted being uh, in conversion copy, anything that remotely resembled direct response copy for a long time, because I thought that what this was, was this like black art stuff where, you know, it's all trickery and hacks and formulas and NLP and, you know, I supplements and that kind of thing. And so it wasn't until I realized that no, like all of that stuff has its place. But, you know, for me, like NLP, I've kind of looked at it. I think there's some, you know, relevance to it. I think there, there is value. If you look at, for example, you know, like interactions, the, the great people to study for something like this are door-to-door -door salesmen, especially if there's people in your city that go door-to-door -door selling power, you'll find yourself agreeing stuff, you know, electricity bill, you'll find yourself agreeing to stuff you never thought you would because of the way they talk about it. So there's some value there. I think it all needs to be taken with a massive grain of salt. I mean, we are biological creatures with, you know, tapes that flip up and switch in our heads. But the mistake I think people make is looking at that as the ultimate shortcut, or if I just learned this piece, I don't have to learn the rest of it. It might right. be a tool in the toolkit. It's not the be all end all. And I think you have to be skeptical of a lot of it, but expose yourself to it. Learn and, and bake what, you know, take what you like from it, bring it into your work and continue on. Right. Yeah, because I think that's a lot of the stuff that I see out there is that, you know, and, and, you know, do you surround yourself with good copywriters? I mean, do you do you learn from other copywriters from that 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 are sort of mentors of yours? I think there's both mentors and then equally valuable to me and, and maybe even more valuable to me have been peers. So uh, I'm mm. part of like I was part of Joanna Weeb's first mastermind and I would consider her a mentor. We never had an official mentor mentee relationship. It was never like a structured thing other than when I was in that mastermind. But right. you do study people who have proven they can do it, proven they can get results. You try to learn from them, their process, not just their words, but their process and, and how they got there. But for people who want to get better at copy, so whether you're a marketer who does a little bit of copy, whether you call copy your full-time job, surrounding yourself with you know peers is really important. So there's a group on Facebook called the Copywriter Club, 
and there's people of all skill sets in there and they freely share and they discuss what they're doing. Um, there are masterminds. So Joanna, again, she continues to put stuff out that gets my highest recommendation. I'm not an affiliate. I don't make anything by saying that, but I just know she knows her stuff. Um, so there are people, you know, find somebody who has proven they can do it. And right. that's what I would kind of finish that thought by saying is there's a ton of people offering copywriting courses, saying they'll mentor you, whatever. Be right. skeptical, be very right. skeptical. Anyone can call themselves. Look for proof, look for numbers, look for actual client projects, not somebody who took someone else's course and now they're selling the same information without actually right. having you know done the work. Look for people who've learned to chew the steak, not just sell the sizzle. But yeah, peers, mentors, constantly learning because as right. I mentioned earlier, it's just you're always evolving. Yeah. Always learning. So what's your take on long versus short copy these days? I mean, do you think long copy is dead or is it still kind of really like <laughs> it's still alive and kicking? Yeah, I love this argument because the honest truth of the matter is this is a prime example of people wanting a formula. They, they want it right. to be black and white. They want short to be better than long or long to be better than short. The honest truth, the best way to think about this is in terms of awareness level. So let's say that we're sitting at a restaurant, you and I are having lunch, and I just happen to be a floss salesman. Now, if you already know and understand the benefit of floss, which I hope you do, uh, <laughs> then my sales pitch to you would just have to be, hey, you've got something in your teeth. I've got floss. It's 50 cents off. It costs a buck. And that would be all I'd have to say to you short copy because you're very aware you already understand your pain you already understand your outcome you already understand right. what you want to get out of this but let's imagine you've never heard of floss before now the conversation has to go something more like this i have to say hey you've got something in your teeth now you might be tempted to use a toothpick but before you do you should consider floss and here's why floss can get into the crevices it's not pointy and won't give you splinters in your gums it tastes like peppermint it's delicious so you can see though for me to convince you who's never heard of floss before i have to say more because i have to lead you on a natural mental journey to be comfortable making that decision so when it comes to long versus short work to identify how much your customer already knows how mm. aware they actually are and the less they know the more you say the more they know, the more you just show them the deal. And as always, test it. But the whole concept that you know we're scanners now and we have the attention span of a goldfish and nobody reads, it's just patently false. That's just right. not true. People do read, they do invest time. The trick is you have to engage them. And most people right. suck at that, which is why people think long copy fails. Is that right? So if you're doing like, so, so if you're running Facebook ads or creating ads, um, you've got your initial code audience kind of people, right? And then you've got your retargeting kind of thing. So, you know, on those, do you, if you are selling a product, does it need to be, well, I guess it goes back to like how much the person knows about your product. And then if they did click over to your website or to, to the ad or whatever, um, and then they engage, would you write shorter copy? Like, how would you go about that, you know, in terms of copy? Yeah. Yeah, this is something I'm actually working on right now. So we're working on finally launching some ad campaigns for Case Study Buddy. And our strategy is exactly that. For somebody who's never heard of us, never visited the site coming in cold, our Facebook ads are going to be a little bit longer. They're going to dig more into how you can use case studies and that type of thing that we know we need to communicate to somebody who's on the fence. 
once we've seen that they've met an engagement threshold and we're retargeting them, now it just becomes about the deal. So we're no longer trying to convince them of the efficacy of case studies. We're no longer trying to interest them or explain what we do. Our retargeting ads are literally save this much, or here's the deal, or here's the discount if you act right now. So for those running Facebook campaigns, you can think of it in terms of that. So if, if someone's brand new to you, they've never heard of you, they haven't heard your offer, yeah, test out some longer copy first, say a little bit more. If you're confident they've read and engaged with your website or your landing page or your ad, that's when you can follow up with something shorter, more like a nudge than a sermon. Right, right. And do you find like local businesses on like doing Facebook ads versus like a product company doing like national you can write shorter or longer, or does it, it's the same principle, I guess, for like a, if it's a restaurant or an exercise studio or something like that. Yeah, it always comes down to what's the awareness level of your audience? How much do they already understand about their pain? How much do they already understand about the solutions that are out there? To what degree have they already shaped their preferences? And to learn those types of things, you can look at lots of different avenues. So for example, if you're targeting an audience that again, you know they've never engaged with you, then you can assume they're probably a little bit less aware. But if you're targeting an audience that's never engaged with you, but you know, for example, based on their Facebook interests, they're deeply aware of the fitness space and they're deeply aware of, let's say you're selling a solution, you know, they know what the keto diet is because they've liked, you know, people who share that a lot, or they know a lot about, you know, kettlebells because they, they've recently made a purchase, whatever it may be. You want to try to assess based on their behavior, whether that's the search queries, the type of search queries that bring them into your site, whether that's the people they follow, the things they already have stated they liked. You want to try to assess what they already know so you can take them on a journey from there. Kind of an analogy to help viewers with this is, imagine that they're carrying a suitcase and to take them on a journey from where they are now to purchase, you need to help them pack that suitcase. So if they come with a bunch of biases, you need to help them unpack those, put new information in and come with you. If they're already fully packed, you just got to tell them where to go and point in the right direction. So try to understand through research what's in their suitcase, talk to people to figure out where they're at, and then structure your ads accordingly. Okay. And what about like, do you do things, do you have your own like swipe files, like things that you find, copy, mail that you get, things like that to kind of keep you... Like I guess to call a call back on when you when you when you're stuck and things like that. Yeah, I mean the nice thing is now that a lot of people have curated different online swipe files. So there's a site I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, but they've curated a lot of new launched, uh, you know, SaaS companies, and so I'll go there often for inspiration to see what I like or what hits home with me. Uh, I'll also, if I get a particularly compelling piece of mail, I might save that, scan that, put it in my computer. If I come across you know, a case study from another writer that I know, and they said, hey, we did that, and it did really well, I might save that. Uh, there's sites like goodui.org where uh, they make a point of going out and collecting test results other people have run. So definitely, I, I keep a swipe file. Um, the danger, again, is to start treating your swipe file like a short, you know, a brainless shortcut where you just fill in the blanks on right. someone else's work. Right. Um, Eugene Schwartz talks about this in his you know, years back book called Breakthrough Advertising. Um, but that filling in the blanks, it doesn't work because that person presumably, if they did their job right, they took the time to understand that niche, that situation. And so the reason their headline worked was because they had an understanding. So they're good as a reference point, they're good for inspiration, they're not good as a color by numbers, you know, roadmap to conversion, but absolutely, collecting a swipe file is a great way to give yourself 
new ways right. of thinking about things and new ideas. Right. So do you so you, you know Claude Hopkins, the long-time copywriter, right? Way, way back. I mean, do you find that his stuff is still relevant to what today's copy is? I mean, maybe tweaked a little bit, but not like – I mean, what, what's your thought on those types of things, those old-time copywriters? Yeah, I mean – you know, communication channels change, technology changes, um, you know, the, the offers might change, but people don't really change that much. Um, the way we make decisions, the way we rationalize, the way that we respond to communication, it doesn't really change. And so that's why you can take lessons from someone like Claude Hopkins, or you can take lessons from somebody like Eugene Schwartz, and they're still relevant today. Right. Because it's not so much about the actual ads they were writing. It's not so much about the mediums they use. Those are always going to ebb and flow and flux. And yes, use your brain and, you know, try to weigh up something against what's current. But fundamentally, what you can learn from those guys is their process and the way right. they thought that through. And if you can pick that up, that's timeless. Right. So on the process side of things, right? So what you you know you're starting out, you're trying to write something. Like how long? I mean, obviously you can't give an exact time for it because it's not a problem. But like, what would you say? Like a, an average you should think about from doing a research piece to writing to this. Like if you are just starting out, not a copywriter such as yourself, but for the average person, right, to do this. I want to say Joe because it's you know we run into. Uh, <laughs> biases here so <laughs> the average person <laughs> yeah sure i mean i think people would be shocked to learn um especially those who have never seriously devoted time to getting this stuff right when i have a client um and i'm writing a website it's not uncommon for me to spend an entire week on a sales page like all eight hours of every single day working on one sales page um it's not uncommon for, you know, at the same time, once you're really proficient. So if you look at a copywriter like Val Geisler, uh, she can, you can book her for a day. She can put together, you know, a, a six step email series for you and it'll go gangbusters. It'll convert really, really well. Cause she's gotten to the point where she's so specialized and so good at breaking down what's, what works for SaaS and what's not working for you that she can put together a test worthy series really, really quickly. So I would say rather than fixating on, is this taking me too long? Is this taking me too short? Focus on, am I following a process that over time is going to make me more efficient and going to make right. me faster at doing this and going to open me up to, you know, being more proficient on things like headlines. But realizing too that copywriting, it's as much an analytical as is a creative pursuit. And if you take copy seriously, there are going to be days where your brain's just not there. And that's right. why sometimes it can take long. It's just not coming, and that's okay. You know, right. you just go back to the work. You keep working the process, and it and it will come. But yeah, yeah it it really varies. So I would say, as somebody brand new, you're probably too fast because you don't know any better. Uh, <laughs> you'll probably go really, really fast. Then it'll take you a long time, and then you'll get you know you'll you'll come back to a place of being able to to turn out to something really good pretty fast. I mean, the other factor is how much of a perfectionist you are. Right. Uh, that slows things down. Um, so you have to get the point where you're like, you know what, at some point you just got to launch this and test it and see how test. it does. Right, right. So on the testing, I think that's the key is, you know, write a headline, see how that goes, write the body copy, see how that goes. Um, what's your feeling on email, uh, today? You still think, does it convert very, I mean, obviously if your messaging's there, but I mean, 
What's your thought about that compared to like, you know, Messenger, you know, Facebook Messenger type of messaging and getting people into that funnel? Yeah, email's still super powerful. It's still, when you have a captive audience, it does the job. I think it's never been, you know, busier than it is today. I think more and more companies are aware. Everybody's vying for that inbox space, which, you know, if you're, that makes, if you're good at that stuff, man, you've got some job security for a while because it's not getting less effective. People aren't just going to stop using email next year. Right. Uh, for all the stuff that's come and gone, you know, like we use Slack more often to communicate and, you know, people are touting chatbots are going to be the death of the landing page and, and all this stuff. And, and that may be true. We'll see where technology takes us. Like I said, channels change, but email is still, especially for things like onboarding um, for software products, especially for things like abandoned carts for e-commerce. Uh, email is still an incredibly powerful tool and not one to write off and say, well, it's toast. It's too busy. We can't stand out. Um, no, you, you still can. You just have to go about it the right way. So it's still a super important channel. Right, right. Yeah, and I think on the chatbot side of things, I think people on that side of things, I mean, you might concur with this. I think I think the key is, is that you can't take what you t typically do with your email and put it into a chatbot. I mean, I think the copy, would you say that the copy would be different to engage a customer through a chatbot series of things? Yeah, I would say so because the expectation is different in the same way that, you know, if I was selling to you on the phone, I wouldn't go read off my, you know, my sales page. It's just, it's not a natural way of communicating. It's not a reasonable expectation for you to, to sit there and listen to me rattle off 6,000 words. So right. I think, again, so much of being a good copywriter comes down to having situational awareness, not just of the customer, which we've already talked about, you know, quite a bit, right. but also them in that moment. So for something like chat, what becomes hugely important is speed. How fast can I get them the answer? How easy can I make this? How simple you know, can I word things so that they move and move and move and it feels conversational? So a ton of it just comes down to understanding what are the expectations for that channel? And that's where light bulb moments happen. Like the minute that people realize that when do most people check their email, for example, when they're in bed, leaning over the side with the phone in their hand, that's when a lot of people start their day with email. So, you know, little situational awareness, things like that, once you've got that in your head, it gives you the ability to navigate that channel differently and better than people are just trying to hammer on it over and over again. Right, right, awesome. Yeah, well, Joe, that has been really, really amazing stuff. I mean, the 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 knowledge that you dropped on this thing is very, it's super, super you know, important. And I think that that's, it gives an insight of like how you kind of get your head around copywriting, what you need to do. So the research, the process, and then, like you said, coming back to that. Like, I mean, I'm sure you probably have done it where you write a copy, you take a, you know, whatever, a day break, come back and go, oh man, I got to change this or edit that kind of stuff, right? Um, on that. So let me ask you, so on your side of things, like what tools do you use, you know, in your daily life, maybe one or two that is, you know, super helpful in, in trying to get your process in, in place and for writing? Yeah, so on the research front, there's a whole toolkit, and the great thing is it's super accessible, sometimes free, and super reasonably affordable. 
Uh, so to start collecting some meaningful qualitative data, I love Typeform for running surveys, fantastic mobile experience. You can use logic jumps to segment customers in different ways. So Typeform's fantastic. Hotjar is kind of a tool of choice when it comes to heat maps and recorded user sessions. Uh, one of the most powerful things you can learn to do to improve your copy is to watch how people actually engage with real sites and real copy. Where do they right. stop? What do they pay attention to? What do they skip past? So Typeform, Hotjar, both really valuable. I love Drift for chat. Looking at chat logs can be a fantastic way to surface kind of people's anxieties. What questions is your copy not answering? What things are they asking over and over again in that real-time medium that maybe you could bring back into your site? Uh, things like Google Analytics are great for seeing how people behave on a site, which is really, really valuable. And then for the copy itself, so if you just want little tools to make your copy itself stronger, Grammarly gets talked about a lot, but it really is a lifesaver. Um, even great writers struggle with things like commas and, and uh, you know, punctuation and different, you know, spellings and that type of thing. So, um, you know, that, that can really make things seamless there. Um, so there's, there's a, a whole lot of different tools, both on the research and the writing front. Um, and then the last one I'll mention, it's one we all know and love and have free access to is Google Docs. So for sharing copy between groups and soliciting feedback, uh, that can be a brilliant tool. Um, and I said that was the last one, but the actual last one is Balsamic. So if you want to write really good copy, you got to learn to wireframe. You got to learn how the interplay between design and copy works. And just because you write something great, if it's designed poorly, it won't get read. So Balsamic is a really accessible way for you to start creating wireframes and sort of laying out skeletons so that you can see for yourself how it would flow on a page. So that was a lot, but those are all. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's pretty that's pretty day. interesting because I you know I know Balsamic as a a wireframing tool for product management type of things, but you can use that as a as a copy too, huh? I, I never even thought about using a Balsamic as a as a way to write copy with it. Yeah, every single draft. So I actually don't even write my drafts in Word anymore. When I'm preparing something for a client, I put together a wireframe of the sales page or the landing page. Um, not emails, it's not really practical for emails, but if I'm doing something for a site, I always mock it up in Balsamic first, send it across as a PDF to them, uh, because in my case, I actually don't want them to make it easy to edit. I'd rather have discussion. Uh, and then I'll send a video of myself talking through the landing page. So I'll do a screen share of, of me talking through and explaining, here's why I did this this way. Here's why this section is here. Right. And that way, when you're evaluating as a group or with a client, you're looking at it through the same point right. of reference. It's not just about, I don't like this word. I don't like that word. It's more right. about the mentality and the way it was done. Lays out. Cool. Awesome. So now that brings us up to, so when you're not like dominating the copy space, <laughs> where do you think people, <laughs> where can people bump into you at and, uh, and get a hold of you. Yeah, so I'm super active on Twitter, uh, at Joel Kletke, K-L-E-T-T-K-E. Um, if you send something to me on there, odds are really, really good that I'll respond. Um, so that's probably the best place. You can kind of chase up on once in a blue moon when I find time to publish something, uh, businesscasualcovering.com. I kind of save my best stuff uh, for there. Uh, I go to a few conferences throughout the year, so coming up will be at Content Jam in Chicago, which is a brilliant, if you want to get better at copying content, it's a must-go. Uh, if you can still get tickets, it's a fantastic conference. Um, so, you know, I'm at a few events throughout the year. Uh, Twitter, I'm really accessible. Uh, LinkedIn, super accessible. 
Not as accessible on Facebook, but if you do want to go that road, look for the profile with the purple shirt. That's the right one to add, uh, <laughs> not the other one. Um, and I do kind of engage on there and try to be active on there. I share a fair bit of stuff on there. Um, but uh, Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the, the best places to see what I'm up to and, and see what awesome. I'm publishing lately. Awesome. Great. Well, Joel, thank you so much for your time. Uh, a lot of great knowledge, guys. Uh, Hook up with Joel. He's awesome. If you need copywriting, go to him. Um, the case study, everything. And uh, appreciate it, and I uh, hope to have you back. Yeah, cheers. Really appreciate it being on, and uh, have a good week to come. Thanks.